Hello, hola, bonjour, privet, Augustie Welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast, the show that helps you build a winning mindset for learning languages. My guest today is Jack Askew from TwoFluency.com. Jack is an English teacher and coach from the UK who's doing great work encouraging learners to take control of their learning, enjoy the experience, and make real progress in English. In this episode, we discuss the discrepancy many learners experience between their ability to understand a language and their ability to speak it. And we look at some potential solutions. We also chat about what intermediate learners can do to push on towards greater fluency. And remember, if you want more information about any of the topics we've discussed in today's episode, you can check out the show notes at linguamaterna.com. There you'll be able to find links to Jack's website as well as all of the other resources that we've mentioned in today's discussion. Thanks again for listening and enjoy my interview with Jack Askey from Two Fluency. Delighted to welcome my guest for today's episode of the Lingua Materna podcast, Jack Askew from Two Fluency. Hi, Jack. How are you? Doing great. Yeah. Thank you, James. It's good to be here. Not at all. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. So why don't you introduce us a little bit, first of all, to yourself and to your website, Two Fluency. Tell us a, a little bit about what you do and the background of how you got into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, a good place to start is with Spain. Because after traveling for a year or so, my wife and I, then girlfriend, we moved to Spain to teach English. Um, Firstly in Bilbao and then in Valencia. And we chose Spain because it was the only place really where we could both get a visa because my wife is American and I'm British. And then when we got married, we wanted to put down roots and move to the U.S., and it was then when I started to do this online stuff that that you know both of us do, teaching English online, um, selling courses, doing podcasts, making videos, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And I've been doing this now for around six years full time. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's amazing. And uh, what has that process been like, going from you know working in a more traditional environment to working online? And and how do you think that benefits both the students and the teachers? Yeah, great question. I, I really like it. Um, from mainly from the point of view of there are no restrictions to how you as a teacher can approach the lesson. Mm-hmm. And we can all as teachers follow our own path, decide exactly what areas we want to teach, and also work with learners from anywhere in the world. Work, work with learners who we really connect with. So it benefits the teacher in terms of the the flexibility and the ability to teach in the way that they want to teach, but also the student because they can then go out and they can go online and find any teacher, the teacher that's right for them. I think that's a a really good point because obviously, you know, we've all had different experiences when learning uh, languages in school and I'm sure, you know, I know certainly lots of the English students I've spoken to have said this too, 
is that depending on the environment, whether that's online or in a classroom, individual, in a group, with a certain teacher, these things all have an effect on the way we learn the language and, and how we're motivated to do it, I think, too. Definitely. Um, and it's not just about the, the lessons either. There are teachers creating you know, incredible courses mm-hmm. and YouTube videos. And with the rise of um, social media and live video especially, mm-hmm. learners just access to these incredible resources that they didn't have access to years ago. Yeah. It's really changed things. There's so many different ways to, to learn. You can really hone in on the ways that you enjoy or the ways that suit your learning style best, I guess. Yeah. So one of the questions uh, I get a lot from students, and one of the things I'd really be interested in talking about with you today, is the discrepancy that a lot of English students have between their ability to understand the language and their ability to actually use it, to speak it or, or even to write it. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on maybe why this is uh, something that commonly comes up and, and then also on what steps those students can take to actually try and decrease that discrepancy and be able to output the language a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem that I see as well. And a lot of the comments when I ask questions, it's, it's along the lines of I can understand things or specifically I can read things and I understand grammar. But when it comes to speaking, this is where I have problems. And it's pretty obvious why learners have that problem, because most people go through school learning English um, whether this is a language school or a public school, mm-hmm. and they spend their time going through the grammar rules and in a class of 30 students with very little time spent on speaking mm-hmm. and hardly anything on pronunciation. Mm-hmm. So learners have this ability and they recognize grammar patterns and they understand the rules and they know the the principles of the language, but when it comes to producing it, this is where they struggle. Mm-hmm. So in my view, what a learner should focus on, either through very deliberate practice or natural practice, mm-hmm. and what I mean by deliberate practice is where you actually go through exercises that are specific to the language. But what a learner can do is do more of that and to build up their fluency and they're mm-hmm. speaking through actually speaking. But not only that, going through specific exercises and drills, working on their pronunciation, and learning how to produce these phrases without thinking about the rules and without translating from their native language. Because mm. that's what most learners do. When they speak, they'll think about the, the phrase in their head in their native language and then try to to put this into English, try to transform this into an English phrase. Mm-hmm. But if you practice lots of phrases and if you repeat these over and over again, then they'll come, come out naturally. Mm. It will flow and it will just sound right. Yeah. So that's, that's what I feel learners need to do in order to improve their speaking and just you know improve their fluency overall. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because you know as you kind of alluded to there, Translation is, is an imperfect science. You can translate the general meaning of something, but often the exact words, or particularly the word order in English, might be different to the word order in, in the speaker's native language. 
And in terms then of finding ways to use those phrases to actually um, kind of practice them in, in context, what would you suggest? Would you suggest kind of that the student practice, um, you know, with themselves and recording themselves? Do you find it's more beneficial that they practice speaking in groups or, or maybe one-on-one -on -one with native speakers? How would you approach that, that element of it then? Yeah, so th this is where we can make that, um, we, we can distinguish between this practical learning, mm -hmm. deliberate practice and, and natural practice. And in my view, the, the more a learner improves their speaking, the more natural practice they should get. Because this is um, a way for them just to put everything together. Yeah. Take the pronunciation that they learned, the, the phrases that they learned and use them in a natural way. But I think this deliberate practice can make a huge difference. And you mm -hmm. mentioned something there about recording themselves. And a method that I have is the LRRC method. And it's listen, repeat, record, and compare. Okay. And what you can do is you can take audio from English speakers, listen to it, repeat that audio, which is either a phrase or a sentence, mm -hmm. record your version, and then compare the two. And I think people listening to this, if they put that into practice, if they go through this exercise, they'll be so surprised by how much they can get from actually listening to themselves speak mm. from a recording, not just, you know, listening while you're speaking, but recording yourself and comparing it to the original. And then thinking about, okay, how, what changes do I need to make to sound more like that original recording? Mm. Is it the English sounds that are incorrect? Is it the intonation? Is it the stress of the words? Mm. And the more you do this, the more you'll be able to realize or the more you'll be able to improve your speaking in all these aspects. Yeah, definitely. And um, the, the problem with this, however, is finding this audio and committing the time to do it. Of course. Because it does take that effort to put into, uh, or you need to put effort into this in order to get something out of it. Of course, in terms of finding the audio that, let's say, is interesting to you, that, you know, is good quality and, and fits what you're trying to, to learn, the type of vocabulary, I guess, too, because you want to be focusing on, like you talked about, the phrases and words that you're going to then want to use in kind yeah. of real situations. Yeah, and then knowing when to use these phrases. Mm. You know, because if you just learn a bunch of idioms that people don't use in everyday life and you just use them all the time after repeating them. Um, in every kind of conversation, it doesn't really make any sense. And I see a lot of learners try to use advanced vocabulary and especially slang in situations in which it's just not meant to be used. Yeah. Um, so the context of these phrases is so important too. In that sense, that there, there's an importance there in focusing really on the core of the language first and then expanding to the idioms really at an advanced stage rather than focusing just on trying to, to memorize things like that from the beginning. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think that is is vital because you, you can also make the mistake of thinking, oh, this isn't advanced English. You know, the, the example I always give is I'm so excited about going to the party okay. and I use that example because there's a lot going on there and you always see different mistakes. Mm -hmm. You see people say, I always excited, you know, or I'm so excited to go to the party. Mm -hmm. But a learner might look at that phrase and think, oh, that's not advanced. 
I don't need to know that. I already know that. But there's a difference between thinking you know it and being able to just produce it. And being able to produce it using the right sentence structure and the right intonation and everything else that goes on when we're speaking. And also knowing when to use it in the right context. So even though things don't seem advanced, when it comes to speaking, it's important to really know the, the basic language and be, be able to produce this in a mm. flexible way. No, where you're course. using different tenses and different vocabulary. I think you hit on a really great point there in that, you know, it's not just about understanding or even knowing the words, but like you say, being able to use them flexibly in different tenses and being able to apply context. And obviously the intonation is really important too, because it can change the meaning of what yeah. you're trying to say pretty significantly. And that can be a good thing if you do it intentionally, but maybe if, if you're trying to do something that's too advanced, you do it without realizing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The intonation can completely change the meaning. It can be sarcastic. It can be funny. It can be serious. Mm -hmm. You know, it can, it can be really um, exciting because we're using that phrase. Absolutely. Um, and just an example about using it in a flexible way. Mm -hmm. I was so excited about going to the party. I've mm -hmm. been so excited about going to the party. I'm so excited about seeing her later. Mm. And the more of these phrases that you learn, the more you'll be able to just intuitively use the right grammar. Mm. Instead of thinking about the rules, you'll be able to use a grammar in a natural way without thinking about all those rules that, that people learn in class. Of course. And then once you're able to do that, you can then apply the same grammar points or the same concepts to so many other areas of the language too. That's right. Okay. So something we talked about there was how a lot of learners, let's say at a, at a starting off level or maybe at even at an intermediate level, struggle by trying to use a lot of advanced phrases um, and maybe don't do so correctly all the time. But for learners who are at an intermediate level, I often find there's, there's a lot of frustration um, because I think there's a tendency for the, the beginning uh, to be quite a, a quick curve, quite a quick learning curve, and you make relatively, uh, a relatively large amount of progress in a relatively short period of time. But at the intermediate level, there seems to be a lot of frustration among learners about how to actually break through that plateau, so to speak, and actually um, you know, reach an advanced level in English. It seems to be something that's a common thread. A lot of people find it difficult to improve beyond the intermediate point. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on this. What steps would you, would you suggest people can take to try and break past this inter intermediate level and, and reach a greater level of fluency? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when, when you are at the beginning stages, mm -hmm. then you see a lot of progress because you go from nothing mm -hmm. to be able to have uh, a conversation about specific things or to be able to read certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge difference, you know, from going from nothing mm -hmm. to being able to talk about a topic. Mm -hmm. And as you say, this seems like it happens quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for this is because um, the, the basic phrases are taught. People can recognize those phrases and there's no real like real life situation that people use the, these beginning phrases in. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is they're not using them in real life. You know, usually they go through 
a language school, they go for a textbook, they're doing this at school. And again, there's usually a difference between taking a multiple choice exam or going through an exam mm -hmm. and being able to say these phrases without thinking. And then when you get to the intermediate stage, then this is when you realize life is not just about those basic phrases mm. and those, that basic grammar. There's a lot more to it. And this is when people come across phrasal verbs for the first mm. time or when they start having to think about conditional sentences. Mm -hmm. And then they think, okay, well, I'm intermediate. I can watch TV. And they turn on an American TV show and they don't understand a word that's being said. And it can feel really frustrating at this stage. So I think a good starting point is to set up your own expectations and to know that it's not language learning is not just like this linear thing where you go to a language school and one year you're a beginner, the next year you're intermediate, and then the next year you are advanced. Because it takes a lot more time. It takes um, lots of input of watching things mm. and listening to things in English. And it also means that you have to deal with English in lots of different situations. And you have to think very fast. You have to speak quickly when you're having conversations. And especially the listening side where you can't control and you're in all these different conversations where people are using really advanced English and they're using different accents to, to speak. Mm. It, it can become very overwhelming. And a lot of people give up here and they feel like this intermediate plateau, this barrier, it's just too much for them. You made a really interesting point there when you talked about it not being uh, a regular curve from, you know, first year you're, you're, you go to the school and you're a beginner, the next year you're doing your lessons or you're, you're attending the, the language school and you're intermediate and then you're advanced. There's a lot to be said for counting the time in minutes and hours rather yeah. than in in years because if you're doing a lesson once a week for three years that's not the same as investing the time in doing something like for example the exercise you mentioned of listening to the spoken English and then repeating it recording yourself uh, and, and comparing them those kind of exercises if you're doing those for three or four hours a week that's going to make so much more of a difference than just you know one hour with a textbook exactly Exactly. And the, the way, yeah, there's two main things you have to focus on when you're learning a language, what you do and how much time you spend doing that. Um, and a good way to look at it is on a weekly basis. So you can be using the best methods, but if you only spend 20 minutes a week, then you're not going to make fast progress. You can spend 40 hours a week learning English, but if you're just studying verb tables, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to speak fluently even after two, three years. Mm -hmm. So those two things, you need both. You need to spend more time on mm -hmm. learning English and you need to be able to, you have to do the right things, mm -hmm. the most effective things for you. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's where the focus comes in. And if you really want to make fast progress, if you want to be able to reach an advanced level, a proficient level mm -hmm. within six months or a year, then those are the two things you really need to focus on. Yeah, most definitely. And in terms then of the content that the students are using, particularly at an intermediate level, if you're looking to push from intermediate towards um, a, a level of greater fluency, 
Are you in favor of using textbook materials or textbook materials combined with authentic materials? Or where do you stand on, on that debate? What, what kind of materials do you think are most effective for learners at this level? Yeah, I think um, it, it, a lot depends in how you're going to use a textbook as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a class of 30 people, let's just take the textbook as an example. Mm-hmm. If you're in a class of 30 people and a teacher is just going through it and you're not actually putting things into practice, then mm-hmm. it's not going to be that beneficial. However, if you have a textbook, um, you're using this as a guide to, to like create a structure for your learning. And then you're also using the method that I talked about before. You're using something like Anki as well to, to memorize the words and phrases. And then you're getting lots of input on top of that and you're using different methods too. Then it, it can be used as part of your general mm. um, learning material, okay. the, the materials that you use. Okay. But if you're just looking at a textbook and relying on that and you, if you're in a traditional classroom with 30 students, then you, know, it's, you won't make very fast progress that way. Mm. So it's really a combination of factors and, and that would involve also using the materials you have and kind of uh, engaging with them, let's say, outside of your class too, in order to make sure that you're actually outputting what you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a good way to look at it as well is that you can become a proficient speaker without textbooks. Mm-hmm. But if you only use textbooks, then it's very rare that that's going to happen. Of course. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a really good point and uh, some very interesting insights in there, Jack. So tell me a little bit more about what are your plans for this year and, and what are you planning to do with the website or, or across social media? What are your, your various projects you're working on right now? Yeah, so I am doing a lot on YouTube. I love making videos for, for YouTube. And in the background, I am creating... Um, a course or lots of materials that are focused on this method that I talked about before about creating this audio Mm -hmm. where um, learners can have access to this audio go through the the different um, drills that I'm going to put across so that when I use a phrase in one of my videos they'll be able to listen to the audio repeat download this audio as well and commit it to um to memory so that Mm. they can produce it naturally without thinking about what we talked about before the translation and the the grammar rules Mm -hmm. so it's uh it's a long process it's a lot of work but i'm i'm doing this because i used to have a well i still have a course which i'm adding these materials to now Mm -hmm. where the learners really liked it but a few people said we want some materials Mm-hmm. We like the method that you've introduced, but we want to be able to have the materials for it. Mm-hmm. So that's what is happening this year. And then apart from that, I'm just, you know, on social media all the time, making little videos here and there, um, making different vlogs as well, vlog mm-hmm. videos where I show my daily life. And that should give learners some context to the, the phrases that I introduce in those videos. Well, I think that's great to hear. I know certainly... I found uh, your videos on, on social media and on YouTube as well to be really interesting and really useful, both to, you know, to get in, an insight into some of your teaching ideas and also into you know, what, it's, what it's like working as a teacher. And, and you know, I think as teachers, we all learn from each other, just as 
students learn from each other when when they're learning a language and practicing it so uh, yeah looking forward to checking out more of those in the year ahead yeah well thank you not at all well thank you very much jack i really appreciate your time before we finish up uh, why don't you let uh, our listeners know where they can find you and check out these videos and some of your other materials online sure yeah the best place to go is um to fluency.com t-o-f-l-u-e-n-c-y.com and learners will be able to download my book the five-step plan for english fluency super and they can find out more about the program i have and um, find me on youtube as well that way super well i'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes too if it's nice and easy for people to find and uh, thanks again jack for speaking with me yeah thank you for having me it's been great Thanks again for tuning into today's episode of the Lingua Materna podcast. Just a quick reminder that for more information on Jack and all of the other resources that we've discussed in today's episode, you can go to the show notes at linguamaterna.com. Thanks for listening. Happy language learning.